0: This morning we're going to talk about something that may seem rather strange to discuss at this time of year When thoughts such as love, peace, joy, goodwill to men is expressed But we're going to discuss the problem of anger Why? I don't know Does it kind of fit in with anything that happened to you this week? How many of you got angry this week? How many of you got ticked off? Somebody just ticked you off yeah, 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 okay, there we go. I mean, seriously, you know, love, peace, joy, goodwill, all that kind of stuff. It's like intermittent, you know, kind of in between all of that is like anger, you know, disgust, disdain. Um, it's kind of like we went, to, uh, we went to the main place. I, I You know, they, they, should, they should, they're going to rename, I'm, I'm pushing to have it renamed the main event. I mean, it's crazy, man. I mean, it's like people were driving up the downs and up the downs and down the ups trying to find parking places, People flipping people off. You know, it's like, you know, okay, goodwill to you too. <laughs> you know, peace on earth, love, yeah, joy, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it was insane, man. It was crazy. I mean, how many of you got an argument like when you decorated your house? Anybody? We used to. We don't anymore, but I can think of a couple times that uh, it was like, you ever decorate a tree and I put like four, six, what was five, six, six, seven hundred lights on a tree? 700 lights on a tree And then the top 100 don't work <laughs> You ever had that happen? And you ever go like this to your wife? But uh, I thought uh, you uh, checked those lights And she's like, yeah, I did You didn't leave them on long enough And I was like, you're thinking, nah, Don't go any further than this one Remember when you used to do this, Chuck? Remember how it turned out? Never really good, did it, huh? You know? It's kind of like, and she's going, like, uh, go ahead keep going I'm like nah just ask if you checked them because <laughs> you know you never ask you know why somebody else didn't do something you could do it's like how hard is it you plug it in there you know just light them light up and see if they work okay and then you put them on the tree I mean that seems like the normal way to do things but no it wouldn't be any fun if you didn't have something to talk about I remember one time we had an argument over where to put the Christmas tree in the house and then my wife used one of those terms that only the ladies understand she said no I want it over here because this is the focal point of the room And I'm going, you know, how can I argue with that? But I try it anyway, right? So, no, no. And then, I, and then I pretend like I knew it was. No, I really believe this is the focal point of the room. And so, first thing that happens, first people come to our house, what do they say? We left it where she wanted And the, and the gal goes, oh, that's a perfect spot. It's the focal point of the room. And you go, okay, whatever. You know, so you learn, and that's kind of the way it works. Well, you know what? For some of us... Um, I, I like, uh, for, for some anger, you know, and how to deal with it can be funny. Um, Thomas Jefferson included in a list of how he believed that men should live. A way to handle anger. This is what he said. When angry, count to ten before you speak. When very angry, count to one hundred. Not bad. Mark Twain came along 75 years later. He said this. When angry, count to four. When very angry, swear. And <laughs> you know, I just kind of got right to it, right? And uh, who said amen? Did you say amen? I heard say amen. But it's like, uh, you know, have you ever gotten so ticked at at, at someone recently or said something or did something, and it's like, man, you know, you're sorry that you did it? Um, You know, anger tends to be a part of this time of year as as well as love and joy and peace and goodwill and all the rest of it. So, just figured that, you know, this would be the thing to share. Never forget um, a time in college, a classmate of ours, speaking of how to handle things, you know, as you get angry, that can turn out to be kind of funny. Uh, a classmate, um, we were studying, it was a science elective, it was uh, a class on ornithology, and I got to move over here to kind of give you the the gist of this but it was a class on the study of birds and and, and, uh, Joe, for argument's sake, is his name anyway, Joe studied all night long, he studied all night long, man, he learned the genus, the species, the habitat, the mating patterns, you know, he went through all of that, you know, and and, uh, studied, man, way into the night, studied the textbook, had the thing memorized, right? So we go into the class and it was an auditorium kind of like this and up front was a table and on this particular table there were uh, 10, obviously 10 stuffed birds but you couldn't really tell what kind of birds they were because the professor had put sacks over the top of them and the only thing left was their legs and so he handed out the test and Joe was sitting in the front row, handed out the test and the test said you know uh, identify the birds by looking at their legs and give me the genus, the species, the habitat, the mating patterns and all the rest of that stuff and Joe's sitting there looking at this piece of paper, and he's looking at this table with these bags over these birds and legs sticking out the bottom. And the longer he thought about it, the more upset that he got. You know how it is—he kind of is like dwelling on something. The angrier that he got, he'd been studying all night. He had never heard this before. He took this class because he knew what the final exam was going to be like. You know how that goes. And uh, and it wasn't what it turned out was supposed to be. So he went through this thing, and he just got so ticked off and fed up. He walked up to the professor's desk, he slapped the the, the page down on his desk, and he said. Professor, this is the biggest rip-off test that I've ever had and all the time i have been going to school here, it's not fair, I don't think it's right no one studied for it, you never even began to tell us that this is the way it's going to be and I've had it, I'm not even taking your stupid test and he said it loud enough so that everybody in the class heard so he started walking out the door and as he was walking out the professor was kind of caught off guard by what was going on and he turned for a second and he said, young man, what is your name? and Joe turned around and he went like this, yeah, you want to play that game? hey, you tell me, huh, you tell me and, and so, it's kind of, you know, kind of the way it went. You know, you know, hey, sometimes it can turn out funny. And uh, and sometimes it doesn't turn out quite that funny. But um, the thing about anger is, you know, depending if you keep your sense of humor, you know, you can get through it. But if you don't, it can get kind of nasty. In fact, um, I, I, not too long ago, I'd, I'd read several different newspaper articles. Um, Headlines, and one of them was this: it "said rape suspect described as lonely, and angry." As the headlines, there was a woman who was removed from an airplane uh, for stabbing the waitress with a fork. Um, she had got upset over something. Couldn't have been the food. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and so you know, here's headlines that you read. Are probably the most tragic of all. And this was a, this is true and, and serious. There was um. It's the headline was man kills best friend with golf club. And, uh, no, but the problem is this is true. And uh, what happened was the guy had gotten frustrated on a golf course and he turned and if you've ever golfed and you've ever done this, try to remember the story, he turned and he threw his golf club out of disgust and uh, and embedded in the side of his friend's head and uh, killed him instantly. And uh, so, you know, there is a funny side to anger and, and yet there's also a very tragic side to it as well so it's something that we need to identify with and hopefully as we go through this we can see you know the difference between the two but um, you know if you've lived in a home where there's been outbursts of anger maybe it's mom, maybe it's dad, maybe it's somebody else, uh, there's nothing funny about it um, you know I read in the paper the other day and this is kinda interesting uh, John Daly uh, the golfer was arrested uh, for beating up his wife and when the, when the police showed up uh, he had beat her up and just totally destroyed their house and uh, the irony of all of it was the very next day in the in the LA Times in the sports section they had a quarter page ad come to Dove Canyon January sometime and meet John Daly in person. <laughs> well, you know, talk about the irony of, of advertising, huh? It's kind of like uh, I mean they should have put in parentheses, but don't get too close, <laughs> you know. But you know, and this kind of stuff was going on, you know. And so it's like Rodney Dangerfield said, you know, when he goes, he said to, he goes, I went to a fight the other night and a hockey game broke out, um, you know. It's like you, know, you see demonstrations of anger everywhere. We see it in, in, you know, having coached little league for a long time. You see it, uh, you know, people coming out and beating up umpires and um, the the nonsense that goes on. Uh, we see it in drive-by shootings on the freeway. I mean, anger is a very serious problem in our society. And though I make light of it, uh, it's not something that's funny. And what we need to understand is that there there are some observations or statements that are made in the Bible that we need to take a look at. Um, the first, most obvious question is why do we get angry? Uh, And and sometimes that's not as easy to understand as we may think that it is. You know, why do we get angry? The Bible has some very specific things to say. We need to look at why we get angry. Uh, Is it ever right to be angry? Is it wrong to be angry? And if it's wrong to be angry, how do we handle or how can we control our anger as we become angry at things that we're not supposed to be angry at? And maybe some of us need a little Bunsen burner... uh, Underneath us to become angry at things that we should be angry at That we're not And so we're all confused on the whole problem of anger And so the first thing I want to do is Let's just go down through um, individually And take a look at uh, why we get angry uh, If you got your Bibles Look at James chapter 4 for a second James chapter 4 verse 1 This I don't think will catch anyone off guard But sometimes you have to state the obvious To see how obvious that it really is James chapter 4 verse 1 James 4, 1 says this, and it's an obvious question. God says, uh, you know, what's the source of quarrels or conflicts among you? You know, what causes all the problems? He says, is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? I mean, he said, isn't that an obvious thing? He so says, what's the source of arguments in your home? Isn't it your own pleasures that wage war among you? It's what one person wants, the other person doesn't want. And the most natural thing in the world is, God says, you know what, we get angry because it's, it's a natural thing to do and he associates it with our natural being who we originally were and that is very simple it's like hey you know what if you don't get your way and somebody else gets their way or if I don't get my way and you get your way it's natural to become angry about it every one of us want our own way we want to do what we want to do I want the tree where I want it I don't care what the focal point is that's not even the issue it's really a test of supremacy who's dominating this home And again, I am constantly reminded. So, you know, and the quicker I grasp that, the less frustrated I'll be. Right, guys? Amen. Right, ladies? Amen. You know, but it's natural. It's our natural tendency. If we don't get our way, we get angry. And all you have to do is look at a small child. And all you have to do is look at Christmas. You know, get what you want. Somebody else gets something nicer. Somebody else gets something better. Somebody else gets something you don't get anything. Somebody was forgotten, and you weren't. Someone went the in-laws instead of the outlaws. Somebody went wherever they went. You know what I mean? And it's like, you didn't get your way, so what did you do? You know? They didn't come to your house, so what do you do, Mom? You know, you stuck your finger up your nose, walked around the house and pouted. You know what I mean? And that's just the way that it is. Why? Because it's natural. You don't get your way, then you, you pout about it. It's a natural thing to do. And God says, the quicker we realize it and understand it, He equates that, though, with our natural selves. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. So the bottom line is, is that, hey, you know what? Some of us just get mad because, hey, that's just the way that it is if I don't get my way. Turn to Ephesians for a minute and look at chapter 6. Turn back to Ephesians 6. I think it's also important to understand that when we're angry over things that we're not to be angry at, that it's not encouraged by God. There are some things we should be angry over and there are some things we should not be angry over and we need to learn the difference between the two. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says this. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. One thing that we all need to understand is that when we are angry over that which we are not supposed to be angry, when it's a selfish anger that doesn't has nothing to do with what God says we should be angry at, that that anger is encouraged not by God, but by our enemy. That's as simple as it gets. There's nothing that I would think as a strategy of an enemy that the enemy would want more than to totally screw up such a sacred time as Christmas. When we're reminded of the love of God and God's love for mankind, there's nothing that Satan would like any more than to have us forget that in the fit of anger or resentment or something going on in our own household that has to do with selfishness and everything else. It takes away totally from what we're to focus on. And it's a strategy or scheme of the devil. It's encouraged by demonic forces. Some people go, well, I don't believe in that. Well, you know what? If there's a God, there's a God. The Bible says there's a God. He also says there's a personality called Satan. Satan. God has angels that are on his side. Satan has demons that are on his side. Some of you look at that and say, that's the goofiest thing I ever heard. Well, you haven't heard enough yet, because there's all kind of goofy things in the Bible. But God says it, and we need to understand that there's a reliability of what he says, and it's based on many factors. And we've gone in depth in many times on what those are. But the reality of all of this, God says this is a very real issue in life, that there's a struggle that's taken place. And the struggle is that we've got an enemy who wants to destroy the purposes of God. And any time that we become angry at that which we shouldn't be angry at, we fall prey to that scheme or that strategy. So we need to understand that. We also need to understand, too, that if you look at Proverbs eleven twelve, 12, when we are angry at that which we should not be angry, we lack the wisdom of God. God says that we need to be you know, mindful of that which God says is right or wrong. We need to have wisdom in those areas. And He also He recognizes that when we are angry... Uh, at that which we're not to be angry, we can't control our own spirit. We're out of control, is what God's saying. And jot those down and look them up for yourself. The bottom line of it is, is very simple, that if we cannot, he said, you know, if a person can't control their temper, they're worse than a city without walls. Think about it. How many of you have lost your temper have just kind of flown off the handle to where, and this is what, this is always funny because it always has to do with parents and their children. You call them every name but theirs. You call them every other kid you ever had. You call them by the dog's name, by the, you know, by the snake's name, the lizard's name. You call them by the canary's name, the parrot's name. You call them every name in the world until you finally get their name right. And they're looking at you like, you've totally lost your mind. I don't know what you have to say, but why should I listen to you? You don't make any sense. And the mom's like, that, 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 I, 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 you know what I'm talking about. It's, yeah, you, you, what's your name again? It's like, man, you totally lost it. And God says that when we become angry to the point that we can't control our own spirit, then we've got a major problem. And so we need to understand that and recognize it. This is is an interesting one. Another reason that people get angry is that we're criticized in ignorance. We're criticized in ignorance. Look at Proverbs 25, 23. I think it's important because God just makes a statement, and the statement is very clear, and that is, you know what? I don't know anyone, including myself, who likes to be criticized in ignorance who likes to be criticized in ignorance who likes to be accused of something without the facts being known and so if you stop and think about it parents if you want to anger or aggravate your children if you want to discourage your children then accuse them of something without checking into the facts it's a sure fired way to disrupt your relationship Probably the greatest hindrance of interpersonal relationships is anger. You get so angry, they don't check into the facts. You don't even know what's going on. And God says, that you know what? No one likes to be criticized in ignorance. I don't, you don't, and it's a respect that we should show to one another. Proverbs 25, 23. The north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. Talking about being criticized. It's going to promote anger. And I think it's important that we understand that because we are so... Readily available to criticize other people. Um, Proverbs twenty-seven four says that um, we're also jealous people. As simple as it gets, you know what? And you never see more ugly, uh, uglier source of anger than in Christmas Day when somebody opens something nicer than what you got. Look at they got. Look at I got. Oh, look at this again. Oh man. Oh great. Ah, good for you. <laughs> You know, and that's just like, hey, man, why do we get angry? You know, the prodigal son, why did he get angry? His brother was treated better than he was treated. That's what he thought. And so he was angry by that, and it's jealousy. And then number seven is that we're proud. No one likes to be told what to do. No one likes to be told they're wrong. And the last thing, obviously, is that no one likes to be corrected. And that's really the root of a lot of problems that we have. And that's what's causing anger here. No one likes to be told what's going on. We all want to tell other people what's going on. No one likes to be corrected that which we're doing that's wrong. And really the whole process that we're going through is a matter of someone who does not want to be corrected uh, and has their own agenda. And regretfully, as a result, there's a lot of anger that comes of all of it. And we need to be sensitive to that. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult, you know, and, uh, and, it, and it's a hard thing even to discuss when, pe- when certain people are involved. But we need to understand that. We all need to be subject to the correction of the Word of God. We all need to be subject to it in our own personal life as well as in a, in a life corporately. So those are the reasons. I mean, it's, it's simple. God just makes simple statements. Here's the way it is. Now, the problem is that many of us don't know when it's right to be angry. And I want to specifically talk about that for the next couple of minutes because some of us are angry at things we shouldn't be angry at and we're not angry at things we should be angry at. And there's a, there's a contradiction there and uh, I want to take it and we'll just go through it one at a time. But... Um, The first thing is, in Exodus 32, is a great example of this. And if you want, let's turn to that for a second. Exodus 32, verses 19 through 28. It's a great example of when it is proper. And you know what? Not only is it proper, but the the Bible commands us in Ephesians 26 to be angry. Be angry, and yet do not sin. But we need to know what to be angry over, what those issues are. In in Exodus chapter 32, we see an example of when Moses got angry at the people of Israel. In verse 19, look what it says. And and it came about as soon as Moses came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger burned. And he threw the tablets from his hand and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf which, which they had burned, they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it over the surface of the water and made the sons of Israel drink from it. Moses came back from the mountain after being given the Ten Commandments by God, came down. People of Israel that were in absolute idolatry before God. And he became angry at them. And his anger burned against them. And God does not rebuke him for his anger, but in fact commends him because, very simply, the problem was, in verses uh, 1 through 6, it explains what's going on. And verse 6 kind of sums it up. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace sacrifice. And the people sat down to eat and to drink. And they rose up to play. The bottom line was Moses comes back from, from receiving the Ten Commandments. He comes down. He sees the nation of Israel, the people of God. And you know what they're doing? They're having just a big drunken orgy is what they're doing. That's exactly what it means. First Corinthians 10 ex- explains it in detail. They're having a big drunken orgy. And Moses became angry at it. And there's something wrong with the people of God when we do not become angry at sexual sin. There's something wrong with this. Whether it's immorality, whether it's pornography, whether it's adultery, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's rape, whether it's incest, whether it's, uh, you know, you name it. Any form of sexual sin, there's something wrong with us as God's people if it does not anger us to be or or upset us or we tolerate sexual sin in any form now here's where we get in all kind of trouble we need to be sensitive to the sinner but we need to take a hard stand against the sin and that's where the struggle really is isn't it So you need to be angry at homosexuality but yet we realize there are people that are struggling with that particular problem and we need to be sensitive to them we need to be angry at those who commit adultery, but yet we realize there are people behind the problems that we need to be sensitive to. Uh, this, but there's no different than someone who commits rape. See our problem is, is that some sexual immorality we have more of a tolerance towards than others. It's still, thank God, you know, disgusting to most people in our society uh, to hear of incest when children are involved. We still, It really bugs us and we still get upset about it. And thank God it still upsets us when we hear of rape. But now we hear this new concept of rape called date rape. And then date rape, you know, they, you know, who knows if they really deserve it or they don't deserve it. And we go through this mental gyration that goes along with it. And now we become more tolerant of adultery because there's more and more people that are doing it. And so we have this mental gymnastic now that goes on. And we become more tolerant of homosexuality because we've got, you know, a new administration that has an agenda to make it a, a part of our society as an alternative lifestyle. And so now that there are more numbers to it. But the problem is that God has never been swayed by the majority opinion of anything. And that's just the way it is. That goes back to what I said. It's a theocracy. It's God's way or no way. And He's not swayed by the majority of anything. Ask those in Sodom and Gomorrah who were all in favor of a homosexual lifestyle. God said, I don't care if you're all in favor of it. I'm going to destroy you. So you're all messed up. We're all messed up. That's why there was a flood to begin with. So we need to understand that we cannot allow this type of activity in our culture to somehow or another sway us as to to say what is right and wrong. We need to be angry at it. We need to be angry at the agenda. We need to be angry at all of those things. And it's important to understand that. We need to be angry at child pornography and all forms of pornography. But see, at the church, we we, we accommodate some of it. And so when we have all kinds of problems in our society, it begins in the church. Because the church is the only institution that has been founded by God to be a ministering agent in society to bring about change through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't, issue, we can't usher in a new age of administration by legislating certain things. Hey, we'll try to legislate it, but the reality of it is, is that we all need a changed heart because when our hearts are changed and it's from within then the the Holy Spirit of God will bring about revival in our country we're trying to legislate things that people don't have the ability to be able to live because they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit living within them we need to share the gospel that's what the church is all about and I'm afraid that sometimes we take off on a tangent of a political agenda and we forget what the purpose of the church is the church is to preach the word of God the church is to introduce men and women to Jesus Christ the church is to help people understand that's the only thing that's going to change society As men and women who have come to know Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, living within them and dwelling in them, enabling them to live a life that's pleasing to God. That's the only thing that's going to change our society. We need to get back on the right target again. And we're getting so far away from it. Why should we be angry? We should be angry when the Word and the will of God are deliberately disobeyed by God's people. Not by non-Christians. They can't live it anyway. We get angry at non-Christians for not living the lives that Christians should live and Christians don't live it and we accommodate it and tolerate it. We need to get upset with one another and start judging the house of the Lord first and realize people outside of the faith can't live a life pleasing to God. It's impossible. There's none righteous. No, not one. They need to come to know Jesus Christ. We need to be angry at sin in our own camp. We need to stop tolerating it. And it's just not when someone like David it becomes visible But it starts and I'll go down every one of these rows and I'll ask you individually. See, all that God has taught me from all of it is is that we all need to be pure in our own personal lives. Not just when you stand up here, but when you sit there too. Are you pure before God? You need to get your life right. We need to start becoming angry at sin in our own camp. And not just point fingers at guys that are up front because the enemy's attacking them enough. We need to pray for them. We need to encourage Him, but we also need not tolerate sin. Number two, what else should we be angry at? Well, when we don't sin in the process. Ephesians 4.25, there simply says this, Be angry and yet do not sin. We can be angry and not sin. There's a right way to be angry before God. And it's to take a stand against things that God says are right or wrong. We see that in what we just talked about. There's nothing wrong with being a boy saying that pornography is wrong. There's nothing wrong with saying homosexuality is wrong based on the Word of God. That incense is wrong. Incest is wrong. That rape is wrong. uh, That adultery is wrong. That fornication is wrong. There's nothing wrong with saying all that because God says it and all we're doing is reiterating what He says. And we can be angry about it. And yet, we still can be right before God and not sin in the way that we go about it. And we need to be careful and understand what that fine line is. The third thing that we should be angry about is what I, what I would classify as when the right of those that are in the right are taken away. In Isaiah five eighteen through 23, verse 23 sums it up and it says that, you know what, we need to be angry when the right of those who are in the right is taken away. We need to understand what that means. The Bible is clear when the rights of those who are in the right are threatened that God becomes angry. And so should we. And you can look up the verses and you can study it for yourself. But what does that mean? To me, very simply, it means hey, you know what? Who's more defenseless in our culture than an unborn baby? There's no one that's more defenseless than an unborn baby. There's no one that's more defenseless than a, than a little child. We need to defend those who God calls us to defend. And there are many people in our country that would have us believe that all we need to do is just live within our borders, and that's the, the scope of our responsibility. And I don't think so. Not based on what I see in the Bible, God asks us to defend. I don't care where it is and what part of the world that it is. We are to defend those who are defenseless. We are to defend those who are in the right. You know what angers you? The rights of unborn children, the rights of defenseless nations, the rights of rights of all people. Who are are, uh, uh, made a target of because of their, their, uh, their race? See, what angers you? Does racism anger you? It should. It's an atrocity before God and always has been and always will be. And we see more and more hate crimes and all that garbage starting up again. God's people should be the first to stand up and say how ugly and wrong it is before God. You angry at a legal system that doesn't hold anyone accountable for their actions? How about the ACLU? What a joke. You want to talk about getting angry about something? The ACLU. The ACLU protects anything and everything that is contrary to Judeo-Christian values and principles. And it's the only thing that it attacks. It's ridiculous. We need to stand up against that kind of nonsense in our society. When the rights of those who are in the right are taken away, God's people should be the first to speak up against it. What angers you? What's funny is I can list all these things and it's like, so we sit here and we go, well, that doesn't really anger me. Well, why not? Because, well, what angers me when I don't get to put the Christmas tree in the right place in the living room and I can't be expending that anger all over the place or I'll use it all up. Just think, if we were angry at the things God got angry at, we'd probably get along a lot better around the house. We'd be too tired fighting the fight. We'd be all looking at each other for encouragement and support. We'd be a church going, oh, let's support one another and encourage one another. Let's help one another. It's like a hospital. Let's bandage each other up. But no, man, we're, we're like all fresh and ready to fight when we come to church. But we're not fighting anything else. We're not angry about anything else. We're angry because I don't like the music and it's too loud and it's not this and it should be Christmas hymns. And it's not those and it's choruses and why's is it choruses? And why is he got long hair? And I'd say, cut it for him. And, you know, and I uh, well. Well, we like her, but she doesn't sing the jazzy version of Christmas songs and. It's like, oh, please grow up. you get me sick. I feel better. How about you? Thank you. All right, all right, all right. Turn with me in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. What else should you be angry at? Man alive, We get angry at everything but what we should be angry at. Mark chapter 11. This one, I don't care who you are. You be a believer or not believer, man. You never come to church or always come to church. This is one that we all can identify with. Mark chapter 11. You want to be angry at something? Man, this is one thing that just gets me sick. Mark 11, 15 through 17. Look, what it says, And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to cast out those who were buying and selling in the temple, and overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. And he began to teach and say to them, It is not written. It is, it is, is it not written? Is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it into a robber's den. Man, you want to talk about something that aggravates and upsets and frustrates God, and it should anger us too? People that are in ministry who are abusing people and they manipulate the Bible for their own purposes and their own benefit and their own agenda, and they've got this little thing, or they know how to manipulate you. And I talked to a gal in this class who whose grandmother was sick and dying in a convalescent hospital and got a letter from a ministry. And in the letter was this, the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was like eight pages long. And inside of it was a prayer pillowcase. But it wasn't a pillowcase. It was a piece of paper with a picture of Jesus on the cover of the, of the pillow. And in the body of the letter, and it was worded in such a manipulative way that it would put the fear of God in anybody who really didn't understand anything about the Bible. But it said basically this. If you want God to heal you, then sleep on this pillow tonight, face down. It's like face down. I would think that, you know, the chances are good that you don't wake up. (laughs) You know? I want to breathe when I'm sleeping. But anyway, sleep on this thing face down. In the morning, send your $20 and the pillowcase back. But if you should do... And it said this. It was a kicker. But if you... But if you will not do what God is requiring you to do, then just send it back so that we can send it to somebody else who has more faith. Is that the grossest thing you've ever heard or seen in your life? It is disgusting, and we have every right to be angry about it. It's a joke. It's a rip-off. And all that it does is it puts everybody in the Christian camp, for those who are outside of that faith, and are looking at it saying, well, you know, I'm not real sure about this Christian thing, but everything that I hear, they're a bunch of con artists, and they're a bunch of sleazeballs that are trying to take you for everything that you've got. And there's the dilemma of the movie Leap of Faith with Steve Martin, you know, of taking advantage of people and raising money for the purposes of their own agenda. We have every right to be angry at that and we have every right to expose that because what happens is if there's enough abuse of that, guess what will happen with an administration that comes into town that says, you know what? We don't believe in any charitable contributions anymore and every church should stand on its own because there's too many flakes out there who are manipulating the tax laws to take advantage of it and they got their own agenda and all it takes is one person to stand there and three people to believe what the garbage that they're teaching and they become a church and now they're tax exempt and guess what? Every good organization that's trying to do what God wants it to do will lose its tax exempt Status because of what's going on. And if you're not angry about that, then you don't know what to be angry about. What in the world are we going to have to do to catch our attention? There's nothing more heinous than ministries that manipulate people and somehow have them to believe if they give money that they'll be right with God. There is no amount of money that you could ever give to make you right with God. The only way that you're right with God is believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it doesn't matter whether you ever give a dime after that. Now, if you want to as a response to what God has done, then hallelujah, go ahead and do it. And God loves a cheerful giver, and we need to understand why we're giving. But we're not giving money because God needs it, and we're not giving money because that's what it's going to take to get into heaven. There is no monetary entrance fee to get into heaven. Jesus Christ paid the price, and He did it all by Himself. And He doesn't need our help, and He doesn't need any money that you may have. It's like the, the one minister said, pass around the hat, man. I was like, pass the hat around, you know. I was like, he kept passing around because nothing was ever being put in it. Finally, he got the thing back up front. And he said, let us pray. Lord, thanks I got the hat back from these people, you know. <laughs> kind of the way it is, you know. Sometimes that's just the way it is. Number, number five, and we'll close on this. And we also should be angry when man-made rules are more important than people that are in need. And read it for yourself. But basically the bottom line was the Pharisees got angry at Jesus for healing a man who had a a withered hand on the Sabbath. And Jesus, Jesus was extremely angry at their callousness of heart for what they were trying to condemn him of doing. You know what? Here's the whole problem in a nutshell. You want to know what the problem is? The problem is that the church has become programs and policy to the detriment of people. That's what the problem is. That's what the whole problem is. We got this bylaw and that bylaw and this program and that program and this committee and that committee and this policy and that policy. And by the time you're done going through all the hoops and all the steps, guess what happened to the person? They're dead or they left. Then you don't have to worry. But we stuck to our policy. You know, and I, and, 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 I, and I struggle with it because I struggle with authority and I struggle with submission and I struggle with Romans 13 and I struggle with how God's established the church and I struggle with all of these things. And yet in my heart, man, I'm still, I'm still compelled to feel like God still cares about people more than He does programs and policy. See, Jesus died for people. Not programs, not policies, not rules, not regulations, none of that stuff. And it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And I just want to encourage you to consider the things that we should be angry about. Next time we get together, we'll look at things that we should not be angry about. And if we get angry about those things, we'll look at ways to control that anger. But stop and think about this. When the word and will of God are deliberately disobeyed by God's people, we have every right before God to be angry, and we should. We can be angry and yet not sin in the process and be right before God. We should be angry when the rights of those that are in the right are taken away and we need to stand up and we need to say something and we need to be heard in our society. But we also need to understand that changing of laws and administration and all that kind of stuff isn't what's going to change our society. Our society will be changed from the heart of men and women who have come to know Jesus Christ. And God will change society through us. We need to also understand that God is angry and so should we when profiteering is accomplished under the name of ministry. God help us never to be manipulative like that. And the last thing is we need to understand that God still cares about people more than anything else. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, that's people folks, would believe in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. We need to be weary and leery about people who are angry about everything. And we also need to be equally leery about people who tell us we shouldn't be angry about anything. But somewhere in the midst of all of it, the Word of God gives us a balance of what to be angry at. And God, help us to, to be angry at those things and not angry at that which God says we shouldn't. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time once again, just to see some clarity from your Word. God, help each one of us to examine our own hearts as to that which gets us angry and upset. God, I just pray for this church and for a healing to take place and that men and women would see that your word is the first concern and priority for all of us. God, help us to see that we're all just human beings that are fallible, that we're capable of mistakes. God, help us to be angry at sin and yet love a sinner. God, help us to understand and to discern the difference between the frustration of trying to understand that repentance and and restoration and all that goes along with it, God, we need a healing. God, help us to focus our anger on that which you say we should be angry at, not one another in areas that are not applicable. God, we just ask for your healing to take place in each of our lives individually, as individuals and collectively as a church and as a church as a nation. God, help us to see that. God, help us not to lose track of the most important program that you have, if you want to call it that, and that is introducing men and women to the the reality and the truth of the gospel, that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten Son, that whoever would just believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God, help us to keep the message simple and true. God, we just thank you for this time, and we just pray that we can become men and women who are wiser based on your word, and that it would affect the way that we live, and it would affect every decision that we make from here on in. In Christ's name, amen.